Welcome to the Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife Podcast Archive, where you have access to all the amazing insights Dr. Finlayson Fife has shared through hundreds of interviews. I'm Mackenzie, Dr. Finlayson Fife's assistant, and we are so glad that you're here. This episode is entitled Sex and Pornography Addiction and was originally produced and published by the Porn Addict's Wife podcast. We're so excited to share this episode with you. But before we do, I just wanted to remind you that there is a new course available on Dr. Finlayson Fife's website called The Art of Loving, and it is a men's sexuality course. This course will help men develop more confidence as an intimate partner and help them unpack conflicting messages about men and sexuality that work against self-confidence, trustworthiness, and mutual desire. We hope you enjoy the episode. All right. So thank you, Dr. Finlayson Fife, for being on the podcast today. What I really wanted to do today was get your expertise and a conversation going around the marital sexual relationship and how Mm -hmm. that's influenced when the husband is addicted Mm -hmm. to pornography. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that was a big struggle for me when my husband was addicted to pornography, and it's a big struggle for most of my clients and my listeners, is the idea of trying to reconcile um, that men, like culturally and as a society, we teach that porn is expected and that it's a very healthy part of sexual progression, right? So it seems very sexual, right? Mm. So it makes the wife when the husband, you know, when they find out about their husband's pornography addiction, it makes the wife question their sexual relationship Mm -hmm. and her desirability as a sexual partner, right? Mm -hmm. Which then leads the wife thinking that the solution is on her, right? That she's Mm -hmm. part of the problem, right? Mm -hmm. Which, you know, makes her want to try and control or change her own behavior in order to Mm -hmm. hopefully change his, which is exactly what happened for me in my, and you know, when my husband told me part of me thought that it was partly my fault, right? Like that if I were, if I lost weight or maybe I need to make sure I'm always on or sexually available or, you know, ready for the day, make sure I'm always that I never say no, you know, and maybe if I did all of those things, then it would change his behavior. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But the question in that, yeah. Yeah. Some, but, but the idea is like, there's all of that. And yet pornography addiction, most of the time has nothing to do with sex, but Mm -hmm. that's a very hard thing for our brains to separate. And I was wondering what kind of thoughts you had about that. Well, yeah, that's a good place to start because I I think that anytime somebody well there's two things to say just to start there there may be somebody who has a spouse who looks at porn sometimes and it's distressing for all the reasons you've just said mm-hmm. versus somebody whose spouse is compulsively looking at porn mm-hmm. or compulsively doing anything d- destructive yeah um, because especially um when someone's in any compulsive behavior that is that you keep going to something that is self-destructive and that when you emerge from it you feel worse not better but then you go back to it that's really a self-regulation problem yes that's an issue that somebody is having with their own 
selves and their relationship to themselves, their relationship to pleasure, and their relationship to others. And so you can see this in, in sexual compulsivity, video gaming compulsivity, spending compulsivity. And a lot of women can relate to it from food compulsivities where yes. there's this kind of secret process that you're not eating because you're unhappy with your spouse per se you're eating because you're trying to work out a relationship to your own sensuality and your pleasure and your body which is often what men who are compulsive about porn are also in a very similar self-dysregulation so to make it all personal is not particularly helpful. Now, I, I'm, not, I'm not here being simple-minded, just saying, hey, just don't make it personal because it can right. be personal. But usually when it's compulsive, there is an issue this person has in their relationship to anxiety and to themselves. And, and sometimes when you go in and address the, you know, like the porn, it's a kind of getting, a, it's a step too far away from what the bigger issue is of how's this person in relationship to their own fears and their sense of self just like you would with somebody who's compulsive about food, you don't go in and shame the fact of the fact that they're eating sweets or something. You help them address what's going on within themselves emotionally. So, um, so that's what I would say is when it's compulsive. I mean, we can also look at when it's not compulsive and somebody's still preferring it because that can almost feel more personal. I would imagine because you're kind of, choosing to you're not feeling like you are out of control you know and so what does that mean about me and us but I, I think what a lot of times happen is happens for people is that it feels well for a woman who's on the other side of this whether their spouse is compulsive about it or just viewing it um, occasionally is it does feel like a deep invalidation and because we all are very quick to want to do this. We want to do things that will control our spouse and turn them into the spouse that makes us more comfortable. Right. <clears throat> and so one easy way to do that is to kind of say it's all my fault because the, the upside of it all being your fault is that then you have control. Yes. And that's an easier idea than I don't in fact have control over who my spouse is. Right. And so, um, so the, the problem with that is if we're really quick to want to imagine we do have control or we're really quick to think, oh, yeah, once again, I'm the problem because that's just a way you're accustomed to thinking, it interferes with you actually knowing your spouse and knowing who they are relative to this because you, you need, there's good information there and it's important to get it to understand what the actual meaning operating in the marriage is or within your spouse. But often we're so afraid of what the meanings are that we we are poor at getting to the, what the meanings are. Oh, absolutely. Mm. I love that you said that, that you brought that up because my husband and I say this a lot, mm. um, is that pornography addiction, at least for him and for many men, is the symptom, right, mm -hmm. yes. of something underlying it, something that's causing it and creating it. And once we really understood that for him, once I really understood that for him and then was able to take myself out of the equation mm -hmm. and accept that I couldn't control him, I could only control me, mm -hmm. that's when it opened up so much more space for us both to find what it was that was causing his addiction mm -hmm. and then help him to get past it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Exactly. 
Yeah. And, and then I, I think what's also true, and I want to say this carefully because I'm not implying, like basically people always have agency. Right. Uh, you can be in the worst situation and you still ultimately are responsible for how you handle yourself. But sometimes what, how to say it, when one learns about their spouse and it's a disillusioning awareness, one can vacillate into it's 100% my fault or it's 100% not my fault. And I don't, and, and both can be self-deceived. So sure. that is to say, let's say your spouse were having an affair. Well, you never make your spouse have an affair no matter who you are. Right. <laughs> they always choose and that's yeah. always the case. However, sometimes there are operating realities in the marriage that you are a part of that are in the context of that poor choice. Mm-hmm. Now, so that's a little different. It's mm-hmm. not like, oh, I, I'm responsible, but am I a part of a marriage in which this person made a choice to do something and hide something from me? Mm-hmm. Am I an easy person to lie to? Am I an easy person to hide from? Mm-hmm. Not because I'm a terrible person. Maybe I just want so much to believe my husband is something idealized. Right. So he couldn't show me who he was. So again, I'm not about, hey, you're to blame, but more is, am I a part of the context in which this made sense to my spouse? Mm -hmm. And what's my part in that, if anything? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's one of the things too, that when I'm working with women on working through this is figuring out, okay, we can't control him, but we can control you and how you show up. Mm-hmm. So how do you want to show up? How yeah. have you been coming to this relationship? How have you been in this marriage? Right. And is that the way you want to continue? Right. Because exactly. you can control that. So have you been like speaking of the intimate, like the physical relationship, you know, usually what happens is it's not that our husband created all of our sexual insecurities. Those right. already existed. Right. Right. He, this, like his pornography is usually is just bringing them to the surface. I always say this, you know, like when my husband had came to me and told me about his addiction, all of a sudden I had all my insecurities come back up, all my physical insecurities, but he didn't cause those. I've had those since like middle school. Right. Right. So we want to blame his pornography addiction as the reason why our sexual relationship is not as good as we thought it was. Right. I thought we had a great relationship, but really it's not his addiction creating those. It's just, yeah, it's just bringing it up. Yep. Yeah. 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 And it can exacerbate them. I imagine. Oh, for sure. You might have insecurities. Am I enough? I've never felt like enough. And now I really think I'm not enough. Yes. (laughs) So it can, it can put a magnifying glass on them and make them feel more punctuated which is often strangely um, how people, like the very area they're weak when the marriage goes into crisis over something, the very area they're weak, they now, how to say it, it's getting, there's more weight getting put on the weak spot. Mm, yes. So it's pretty overwhelming in that sense. Yes. And it's very disorganizing because you think, I thought one set of realities were in place when in fact another set and exactly what I feared now I have all this evidence for. Yes. And so to get stronger, it's almost like you were already struggling with 50 pounds. Now you have to deal with 100 pounds. Yes. <laughs> You're like, oh, I'm going to die here. But on the other hand, if you can stay the course and work through it, you become somebody who can handle 100 pounds and you get the strength that you need 
even when things go back to the 50 pound level, you're, you're much stronger now. Absolutely. That's exactly what happened for me. Right. And, and what happens for all my clients is right. We already believe that there's, you know, part of us that isn't worth, right. Like we're not enough. Right. And that was my thought for my husband was, I must not be enough. I must not be um, enough because if I were, then he wouldn't go do this thing. Right. Just faulty logic, but still what I thought nonetheless. And so it was something that I believed subconsciously for years. And so his addiction was just evidence. Like my brain saying, Oh, yep. There it is. Here's, here it is. Here's your proof. Yep. Thought you weren't enough. And here it is. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Absolutely. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I had a question for you. How can women approach and navigate their sexual relationship in a more positive or healthy way, even while their husband is addicted to pornography. Okay. Can you ask me again? So you're saying how can women be in a healthier place around their own sexuality or in a healthier relationship with their spouse? Which one were you? Well, um, either one, both. Let's see. So I was specifically thinking about like, how can they approach their their sexuality and their sexual relationship with their spouse yeah while he's still struggling with his addiction well again it's going to be really helpful to understand what is driving his behavior mm-hmm. and why is he going to it you know i'm i'm teaching a, a men's course currently um to LDS men about mm-hmm. their relationship to their sexuality and their relationship to intimacy and how pornography is a piece of this and there are a lot of a lot of men who are kind of the high desire partners for sex, mm-hmm. but they are relatively low desire for connection. Mm. And so, for example, if your spouse, there's a lot of people that uh, don't want much sexual contact with their wife, but that are choosing porn. It would be very easy without understanding what's operating in the husband to think, Clearly, I'm not enough. I'm actually right. available. I work with people like this. Like, I want to have sex with my husband, and he prefers being in his office on the computer to mm-hmm. me. Okay, like, how do I not take that personally? <laughs> yes. Right? And the thing is, the way you don't take it personally is if it's like you actually have something that's richer and better, and he can't handle it. Mm. So that so my my bigger point is you have to understand what is happening. That's how you know what it is you've got to handle within yourself Mm. if you're married to somebody who doesn't want an intimate relationship a lot of times people choose porn because it's a way to be sexual without being knowable or not being in control i mean men are given a lot of messages about who they're supposed to be sexually women i you know i talk in my women's course about this too women get a lot of messages about what you're supposed to be like a sexual commodity back right. to your earlier point, like I'm supposed to compete with the airbrushed images somehow. Right. And that's just a very unhealthy idea. But men are given the idea that they have to be on, they have to be sexual machines. They have to know what they're doing. They, you know, and I think sex can be far more vulnerable for men than we, than cult narrative that our cultural narrative will show us mm-hmm. or that men will necessarily talk about. So a lot of men resist the exposure and the uncertainty in sexual intimacy, especially if they have a lot of anxieties and shame about it, or especially if they've been taught that, you know, sex isn't okay. Paradoxically, it's like easier to actually go just kind of have a private indulgence than it is to really show up and be sexually intimate. Sure. 
Like, just like the person who's shamed around, I should be skinny, I should be skinny. It's like, well, sweets are terrible, but that's why I go sneak into the pantry to have them because I can't feel at peace with it. Right. So I'm trying to just kind of get something that I think I shouldn't have, but I don't want it to be known mm-hmm. to others. So it's a very similar thing. And so if you can see it for where your spouse is, in fact, struggling, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that, that it makes it easy. Right. Or that you right. have to like that they're struggling in that way, but at least you understand he struggles with intimacy as much as I do. I mean, mm-hmm. he struggles with being at peace with his sexuality, paradoxically, as much as I do. I just, you know, I, the wife, might struggle with it by kind of shutting it down or questioning if I'm sufficient for him. Right. But he might handle it by kind of disconnecting from the whole possibility of exposure. Mm-hmm. You know, there's other versions of it. It's it's not just self-doubt. There's some, you know, I've worked with people who it's like, how to say it, they like, indu- I'm not saying this is most people, but I think that their husband, some husbands like inducing insecurity into their wife. Mm. So they flirt with other women, they look at porn, they do things that kind of keep her anxious. Okay. And so if she's like, if she can understand that's what's happening, and she can see that's what her husband does, it still will feel bad, especially if you let him matter to you a lot. But understanding he likes inducing insecurity into me to feel on top or in control, mm-hmm. to keep everything being oriented to him. Right. I'm not saying you need to feel good about that, but at least it is about him handling himself in a particular way. Right. Rather than a commentary on you. The commentary on you might be, he finds it easy to do this with me. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe I have been too willing to be jerked around by him, Mm, mm -hmm. right? So maybe I need to look at why I'm an easy target for him. Oh, sure. But that's different than I need to get him to not be that way because Mm -hmm, that's up to him. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I love that you brought that up. One of the things that really changed um, my husband and I, our sexual relationship was, you know, me recognizing what was driving his pornography addiction, but then also, you know, taking ownership of what I was bringing, Mm -hmm. right? How I was approaching it. And again, it was recognizing he didn't create these insecurities in me. Those were already existing. And it's my job to deal with those because I am now the one bringing it to the forefront. Yes. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, exactly. So that's right. And do you have a question in that or you're just, it's just a comment. I was just, no, no, it's just your comment. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, that that's true too, because I think it's just was making me think about another story too, as you were saying it, which is that, you know, for example, I had a client where he was a good guy in this. He was a nice guy. I don't know how to say it better than that, but he really felt like he couldn't put any pressure on his wife because she had these sexual insecurities Mm -hmm. because she felt uncertain. And so they would have very, very vanilla sex. Mm-hmm. And um, I think he was a little bit bored and there was a little bit too much caretaking in it. That is, mm. I will give you the sex you need so you're not somebody who looks at porn. And so I'll, I'll sort of service you. And uh-huh. he would feel kind of like he shouldn't ask for more than that because she's such a sweet person and sex might corrupt her. 
Oh, Mm -hmm. so that's the meaning that they're operating in. So he wants something freer and more open hearted, but he's afraid that asking for it will destroy her. He grew up in a family where he learned to sort of take care of fragile women. Uh And the wife is very much in, I'm fragile. Don't push me beyond, don't push me in my anxieties. If you're Mm -hmm. a good husband, you won't. Well, his way of kind of handling that, which he wasn't proud of, was going sometimes and looking at porn and specifically the kind of a free, open-hearted woman Mm -hmm. who was Mm -hmm. responsive to the man. Mm -hmm. And, and so he, that was what he sort of always would go to is it, it was kind of what he wanted. Uh Now I'm not saying he was by hiding this from his wife, that that was, you know, it's sort of the same idea. She can't handle it. I'm supposed to protect her, but I also feel some resentment and some, and I feel trapped. And so this is a way to kind of, get out of the feeling of being trapped. Mm-hmm. I mean, not really, but it's, it can be right. a tempting place to go. So when she found out about it, like her approach was, let's drag you in front of the bishop and get you into all the programs that mm-hmm. will get you to be the husband that you were. Yes. That makes my anxieties better. Yes. Better. We, keep, we always want to go back. This is like yeah. the number one thing. I just want things to go back the way they were. I just want yeah. him to go. It's the number one narrative. I want Absolutely. him to go do all the programs, get all the therapy. We'll pay it all the millions of dollars for him to go do whatever he needs to do 100%. so that we can go back to the way we were. And so then I, don't I will feel fine. Yes. And you're the problem in a sense. Like yes. <laughs> right. And, you know, to their credit, her, they came, came to see me and were kind of open to like, what, what do we need to deal with? Because I think she had to face that she was, complicit with him in mm. the narrative that women are weak, mm-hmm. that they need to be coddled. She's like, I, I like that one. I <laughs> <laughs> Except for when I feel patronized and right, like, exactly. you know, uh-huh. and so she had to kind of say like, I have to kind of grow up sexually. Like, I don't right. like that you've been hiding stuff from me, but he, to his credit came and was more honest with her about it. Um, talk more openly about his fears about bringing more of his sexuality to her, mm-hmm. his own difficulty to kind of handle this, but also what in himself validate his own sexuality, be at peace with his sexuality, but also be clear that he wanted something richer and more alive and less caretaky um, and yeah. something more passionate and honest. So that meant she had to kind of grow as well. It doesn't mean that she's the one who made him do this. He right. still made a choice. Yes. But she is part of a meaning frame that they were both participating in and that this exposure allowed them to address and grow into something more intimate, something mm-hmm. stronger and ultimately something much safer, if you want to put it in that frame, because it's more honest and they're both taking deeper responsibility for themselves. Where framing it as you have a porn problem gets away from the issue of the relationship. Mm-hmm. So that's not to say, oh, porn is good, because sometimes I think people misunderstand me. I'm not saying porn is good. I'm saying that when you focus on it as the issue, you get away from the larger meaning. Yes. That you sometimes, you know, as I think Cam Staley says, you sometimes can mistake the cough for the cold. Mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you absolutely. Have to look at the cold or look absolutely. at the underlying issue. Mm-hmm. I love that you said that. Um, you said it in reference to to the the husband but i think it's just as true for the wife that it's your job to validate your own sexuality that's right that's right, right we think it's 
our spouse's responsibility to make right. us feel desirable, to make exactly. us feel wanted, to make us feel yes. sexy. Yes. That's not, they cannot do that. That's right. It's impossible. Yes. And I think, I think that we as women are very much socialized into that idea that the yes. man, especially if you grow up in a kind of conservative Christian framing often it's the idea that the man is going to bring you into your sexuality and mm -hmm. he's going to show you the way of pleasure and he's going to validate your desirability and your value your worth right it, he's the source and this is the biggest if i were to say the biggest issue i work with as a marriage counselor or marriage coach is the way in which men and women are complicit in the idea because i work with a lot of religious people that that the husband is the source of the strength yes and so the husband pretends he's stronger better whatever than he is more together than he really is but wants her to validate that picture of him mm -hmm. through her wanting to be sexual with him her yielding to him mm -hmm. her thinking he's great for the things he provides but her saying like hey if i'm if i'm putting you up you better provide yes. <laughs> Give me the security I want. Make me feel sexy. Mm -hmm. Make my sexuality. Okay. Give me the pleasure. I don't know how to offer to myself. Meaning I don't know how to like even create within myself mm -hmm. because being able to be seduced or pleasured or even desired in a way that's really sustaining is you have to already see yourself as desirable. Yes. You have to already understand that you can trust that your husband is being honest when he says, you're ridiculously sexy. Like yeah. he, you have to already see that in yourself. Absolutely. To be able to really receive it. Yeah. I learned this. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I was going, I love this example because it was such a big aha moment for me. Mm. I was going through a period. I, my husband had already told me about his addiction. I was feeling very unattractive about myself, not because mm -hmm. of his addiction, but just because I was feeling unattractive and yeah. I couldn't figure out why. Yeah. And so I decided my brain fixated on the idea that it was because he hadn't complimented me enough. Yes. I said, Good. I just, and I even just like mentally took note and the poor guy, like it had yeah. been, you know, and I, one time I came over, I came home to him and I said, okay, do you think I'm beautiful? And he said, yes, I do. And I said, well, I need you to tell me that because it's been X number of days <laughs> since you've told me this. Yeah. And I don't feel beautiful. So I need you to tell me that in order for me to feel beautiful. Right. Well, guess what happened? He started telling it to me. And my thought wasn't, this is so great. I believe him. Like, he's, was, he's only telling me this because I asked him and yeah. he should have been able to just come up with this himself. Right. Exactly. It's such a great. great yes. Story. It's perfect. Right. We have to validate <laughs> ourselves. If we aren't feeling desirable, our husband could have sex with us all the live long day and we would yeah. still feel undesirable. Exactly. And it's very much like what I think sometimes men do. If you, I don't feel desirable, have sex with me, Tell, make me feel. And so there's a lot of women are like producing the sex. They're trying to manage their husband's ego and his feelings about himself. And it never works. Right. And it also drives her to feel it less and less because, you know, to do it in your way, like your husband's like, yeah, you're beautiful. <laughs> you know? Right. It's like a job to do. So it yes. starts feeling less authentic and, and, you know, it's, believe me, I used to do this with my husband. Can we go over again while you love me? <laughs> <laughs> Can you convince me that I'm lovable? Can you convince yeah. me that I'm worth something? Yeah. Absolutely. And just one day I was like, I have to stop. It's not his job. I, I'm right. just like, I'm making something his job that's not his job. And I just have to handle myself better and, and know what's true. I already do know he loves me, but I'm making it his problem right. rather than 
addressing my own problem. Absolutely. I love the idea that you brought up too about um, women having this kind of ideal of what their husband should mm-hmm. be like and show up yes. like. I see that a lot yes. in my clients. And, and I thought this myself, it was part of the reason why I felt so much pain when my husband told me about his addiction. Yes, exactly. Is I had this thought, this belief that like he was the one person that would never hurt me. Yes. And my clients say that stuff to me all the time. Like I never thought this would happen. He's not this type of person. I never would have married him if if I had known this and working through all of that. I just keep coming back to like, well, why not? He's, Mm -hmm. he's a human. That's right. Right. And yet we come up and I think it's part of, I'm not going to blame Disney, but you know, it's kind of these fairy tales that we have. The prince. Right. He's supposed to be the prince. Like what the the heck? Where's my castle? Yes, exactly. Prince is addicted to porn. Like what the heck? (laughs) It is not in any story I've ever read. No, it is not the happy ending that I thought was going to happen or even part of the middle of the book. Right. That's right. Yeah. We think we've already reached our happily ever after. And then yeah, and, it's, like, and it's an ideal of dependency. Yeah. It really is. And it's an immature, I mean, it's an immature ideal. And by yeah. immature, I don't, I don't mean it in, in an insulting way. I mean it in a developmental way. Absolutely. So a lot of times these crises feel, and I can appreciate it, that everything's falling apart. And the husband and wife have often been complicit in it. See me as your prince and I'll be your, you know, doe-eyed dependent and this will work out great. But the thing is, it's not sustainable by real life because right. these are, after all, two human beings who are fallible and are going to disappoint and yes. have their own anxieties. And so when that gets exposed, and porn is a very typical way it gets exposed, it's very disorganizing and very distressing. And I never, never want to um, diminish how uncomfortable that is because it is a crisis. It's a crisis of meaning. It's a crisis in the marriage. But it's also potentially a very productive time. Some people just, you know, they're going to take their partner down and they're going to never kind of deal with themselves in that crisis. But the couples that really thrive, they like in your situation, they use the crisis to grow themselves up, to take a look at who they are, to get better at handling themselves and to, you know, maybe it's a masculine and feminine version of grown up and adult, right? So that you can certainly be strong in different ways and have different gifts. But you're really operating like a collaborative couple, two equals, when the marriage is really growing up, that you um, are both able to be at peace enough with yourselves and your sexuality to be able to create something open-hearted and open-minded sexually, that you can know each other and be known. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's been true for my own relationship with him that's not physical, but then also as part of our sexual relationship, it's been fascinating that the number one thing that has changed Mm. for us was not him no longer watching porn. It was me facing all those things that I was bringing into our relationship that I was putting between us, my own insecurities and having the courage, right. To be the grown up, you know, to be an emotional grown up and to face those myself and to be okay. If that altered what our, sexual relationship looked like. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. So it's interesting, like in all honesty here, which I do on my podcast, our sexual relationship is amazing. We've always had a great sex life, but it's way better. And turns out I'm the higher desire partner. Yeah. Who knew? 
right? I had no idea. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> because I had so many insecurities, but I never would have figured this out and been comfortable with that. Yes. If I hadn't worked through all the things that came up beforehand and during That's this process. Excellent. Yeah. And a lot of, a lot of women who really address themselves, their anxieties about sex, their role in a marriage, and they really operate from a place of greater strength and create a better sexual relationship. They often become the higher desire person or at least equal desire because when you create a really good sexual relationship, that's not laced with anxiety and self-doubt, you want to go there. I mean, you like being there like, Hey, why not? Right. I mean, I may not even be in the mood because I have four kids on me, but like, yeah, <laughs> I want to get there. Yeah. <laughs> because uh-huh. I know it's a great place to go. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You and know, it's... so a lot of people have low desire for good reasons um, mm-hmm. because where they're going isn't a good place to go yet for themselves. Yes. So much self-doubt in it and anxiety and fear and managing your spouse's view of you and their view of themselves. And yeah, it's, it's exhausting. Like a big workplace. It's exhausting. Yeah. Like, of course you're low desire. <laughs> you know, of course I would rather sleep than do all that. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Exhausting exactly. to face. Exactly. Absolutely. Okay. I have one last little mm-hmm. thing that I was hoping you could just give me your thoughts about, because I have no realm of expertise in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I have had several clients that want to know what role sexual fantasies and pornography have in their marital sexual relationship. Just give me a little bit more on that. So when you're saying sexual fantasies and pornography, how do you mean that? Exactly? Okay. So they have a hard time. So if they're, they have a spouse addicted to pornography and then their spouse has some kind of sexual fantasy or, you know, mm-hmm. wants to try something that they've never tried before. They have a very hard time with that thinking that it's coming from yeah. the pornography use. Um, yeah. Or is that just meant, do men have, tend to have more sexual fantasies or? Well, so I think, again, you want to look at what's really the meaning of it. Okay. And is this about, I just don't want to be pressured in any way. Mm. And so I can, you, I'm just going to give you a few versions. Yeah. I can use the fact that I know you saw that in pornography to basically get the moral high ground and swat away. Oh, and say no. Mm -hmm. And say no. But I'm just using the idea that you're the defect, so I don't have to maybe more honestly consider Mm -hmm. myself and my choice in creating a sexual relationship with you. That's one possibility. Another possibility is, and I've seen all these things, uh, where the spouse, the the husband, let's say, looking at pornography, really does treat his wife like a sexual object. Okay, Mm -hmm. so he's going and looking at what he wants to look at, doesn't care. Mm-hmm. And then is saying, do what I want. You know, mm-hmm. so there are definitely relationships where the husband is demanding a kind of accommodation and he doesn't care what impact it has on her and or even likes the fact that it makes her feel small mm-hmm. or used. Mm-hmm. Okay? I mean, I know these are dark pictures, but they certainly exist out there. And right. there are many women who know if they're on the side of that because they feel a humiliation in it. Now, there's humiliation because you are so anxious and you're just making right. it into that. Right. Versus this is a person who does things to make you feel small. Right. And so the way they relate to you sexually will be about that. Right. That's the big issue, not where they got the idea from per okay. se. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that when you... So I think it's like, you know, when you come up with a new idea, you often, male or female, are finding it somewhere in your environment. You 
come to right. one of my seminars and you hear me say an idea and you're like, Hey, I want to try that. Yes, or, yeah. You know, or you have a friend who tells you something. And, and so the fact that you might get it out in the environment doesn't necessarily disqualify it. It's yes. how, how are you in relationship to the idea and your spouse? Mm-hmm. Right. And, yeah. and are you really creating a marriage that you can speak honestly with each other and you can collaborate and create something that, you know, if this is something that just overwhelms your spouse, uh, you don't, you're not going to say like, uh, yeah, you have to do it if you love me. No, it's like, okay, well, I, I don't want you to be overwhelmed, but I'm also not going to pretend that this doesn't appeal to me for A, B, and C reasons. And uh-huh. so, so it's like staying in an honest and sometimes allowing the friction between the two points of view mm-hmm. to be present because that friction is the place that refines the couple and allows them to sort out what's the meaning of this and what is the right thing to do. It helps people look at themselves. Yeah. I love that. I love that idea that friction because what's going to happen is growth only comes out of discomfort. That's right. Right. Otherwise we just stay exactly the same. So if we want our sexual relationship to look different than it is now or any part of our relationship, we're going to have to get uncomfortable. That's right. I hate that part of life, but it's true. <laughs> I, I mean, know, right? you think about it, you go to the gym, the way you get stronger is yes. you go into discomfort. Now you don't yeah. want to be, you know, hurting yourself discomfort, but you're stressed. Yeah. And so it is mental stress that makes people grow. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for talking to my audience today and talking to me. I really appreciate it. Love, loved chatting with you. Yeah. So thank you very, very much. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Dr. Finlayson Fife and the work that she does, check out the links in the show notes below to find her website, online courses she offers, information on upcoming events, and her free Facebook group.